precious name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Children's Kids Church can be dismissed. Amen. And uh, those that are here, we can go before the word of the Lord tonight. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Amen. Verse 9 and 10 are our passage for this series that we're continuing on. We should know this like the back of our hand by now. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. That's the answer to everyone's problem is, is if God's will is done on the earth as it is in heaven, that takes care of everything, doesn't it? When man's will gets out of the way and God's will is done, amen, peace can happen and, and restoration and healing. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen. Believe it or not, this is uh, part 12, if we're continuing on, if you're keeping track. <clears throat> the, uh, the truth is, is that <clears throat> the kingdom uh, of heaven is, underlies every, every book of the Bible. I mean, it's, it's there. It's introduced in the, in the first chapters of the Bible, and, but we don't see it again happen and, and come back to the earth till the last few chapters of the Bible. So you got that whole, the whole Bible uh, is, is under, the undercurrent is talking about the kingdom of heaven and uh, what God needs to do to bring it to this earth. And so we are tracking through it. So 12, 12 lessons is, is really uh, not very much considering it covers the whole entire Bible. Uh, but we are starting to wrap things up here as we are in the, the last book and coming down to the last chapters of Revelation. But we've been moving through it, uh, the whole book, following the kingdom of heaven as its promised return to the earth. And we have switched our in our pursuit from learning about the kingdom of heaven in times past, uh, the things in the history of Israel, and now we are in the, the, the last book, the book of Revelation, where we are looking at events that have not happened yet. Uh, looking into the future as it unfolds, as John was given these, these, visions, these visions of the things to come. Uh, it's easy to, to uh, grasp and understand the things that have happened in times past. We can look back on that, but the things looking ahead... We don't always see and understand what exactly it happens. Uh, a lot of uh, revelation is, is spoken in, in symbolism, and, and we see beasts and, and, and things like that. Uh, so we don't know exactly how the things play out. We kind of get an idea of how it is and the effects of it. Uh, and there are many interpretations of uh, the end times, and we're trying to make sense best of it as we can. Uh, and, and so uh, in order for the kingdom of heaven to manifest itself on the earth, uh, Revelation shows us and tells us that a lot of these things have to happen. Uh, this time, when the kingdom of heaven shows up, it's never going to leave. Uh, it, it, it was there in the beginning in the, in the Garden of Eden, and it left because of sin and man's disobedience. But once it comes back again, uh, it's never going to leave. That's going to usher in the thousand years of, of peace, and then that will usher in eternity after that. And so we are that close to eternity beginning here on the earth. Uh, only a matter of uh, years or however long the Lord decides to tarry. Uh, but we are coming to an end of uh, this age and this world as we know it. And if you put up picture number one, uh, kind of gives a brief uh, 
overview of, of the book of Revelation in re re reference to the signs or the seals, the trumpets, the, tr the judgments, bold judgments uh, of kind of where they may play out in the final seven years. And as we had mentioned, that the, the event that starts all of this is the rapture of the church. Once, once the, the, the church is taken out of here, Daniel's final 70th week can take place. Uh, the restrainer is removed and the Antichrist is given space, given that permission and power to rise to power. And as we had mentioned two weeks ago, that seems to align with the first horse of the apocalypse, the, the, and the first seal, the, wider, the rider on the white horse uh, mimicking uh, Jesus Christ. And those events are, happen one after another. Uh, and we are learning that with, as each event passes, uh, more and more devastation is actually taking place in the earth. And so uh, the beginning of the seven years is uh, the least damaging, and it gets worse uh, the longer you are here, uh, people are here on the earth. And we don't plan on being here for that. And so uh, picture number two, uh, as we talked about how uh, the unfolding of these things happen, you got seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls, and the seventh one, uh, of each unlocks the next level of things, uh, increasing in intensity and devastation with each round. And last week we were discussing the seven trumpets and how much worse they were than the seven seal judgments in picture number three. Um, and this is kind of the brief overview of what we talked about. The seventh seal uh, uh, prepared the seven trumpets as the angels, seven angels stood forward and they brought their trumpets and they were ready to uh, They're called and ready to blow theirs. The first trumpet, a third of the vegetation was wiped out. The second, a third of the ocean. The third, a third of the fresh water was poisoned, made bitter. Uh, the fourth, a third of the luminaries, the sun, moon, and stars were darkened. Or, or, and again, we don't understand uh, how these things come to be. Could be bombs, could be God just doing them uh, as, he's, as they're said in the word. Uh, but we, we just we focus on the devastation of, of what happens. Uh, the fifth trumpet, we talked about those, those demon creatures coming out of the abyss, whatever they, whatever they end up being. Uh, we don't plan on being here for that as they are given power to torment everyone on the earth for five, uh, five months. And what a horrible time that can, is going to be. Uh, and... The last trumpet we talked about was the uh, a third of humanity is uh, destroyed, and that brings it up to uh, half of the world's population is killed by this time, the sixth trumpet. And uh, we, we finished up with the, the, before we got to the seventh trumpet, we haven't got there yet, but John has showed a, uh, a vision of the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 10 and 11. How they are prophesying in the earth, they're preaching, and they have been given power to, to do whatever. They can call plagues, or they can, uh, they can shut up heaven, they can do whatever they, they feel led to do. God has given them that kind of power in the earth. And what uh, infuriates everyone that is here on the earth is that they, they don't like these righteous prophets of God doing what they're doing, preaching. But the Bible gives uh, protect, special protection to these two witnesses. It says that if anyone tries to harm them, fire can come out of these prophets' mouth and just destroy whoever comes after them. Uh, and so 
but we are told that the Antichrist is given power to uh, kill these two witnesses and their bodies are left in the street. And as we read last week that everyone is celebrating uh, because of these two prophets are killed. And it says everyone is giving each other gifts like it's Christmas morning because of these prophets of God were killed. Uh, but then God raises them up from the dead right in the middle of the streets. You gotta, you got to imagine as, as much as uh, TV and as connected as this world is, you can immediately see rockets that are being launched across the world. And you better believe it that uh, cameras are going to be focused on these, these two witnesses, especially when they're killed uh, and laying in the streets. But uh, you know it's going to be on live stream somewhere where God resurrects these two witnesses and calls them up into heaven. Bible said that fear falls on everyone, and you can imagine that. And, and now we finally get to the seventh angel, the, the seventh trumpet, Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so the seventh trumpet is sounding, and the people in heaven are celebrating. They're excited, because, not because of all the death and destruction that has taken place in the earth, but they are excited because the wait is almost over. The wait is almost over. We're coming to the end of the, the trumpets and then moving on to the final bowls. Uh, judgments and so the seventh trumpet is there is a sound of excitement the wait is almost over because there is about to be a change in the earth a change in manage, management a change in dominion a change in ownership if you will of the earth is getting ready to take place because Jesus is about to take control of the earth from Satan uh, but not at this precise moment. It's about to happen uh, because they say that the, the world, the kingdoms of the world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord. And he's going to reign. He shall reign. He's not reigning yet, but it's soon. And if you remember that in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam was given dominion and authority over all the earth. This was the, the, his realm. Uh, to rule as heaven's representative in the earth, to let God's will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Adam was the one given the power to, to do that and dominion over everything. But when he dis disobeyed, the kingdom of heaven uh, went back into he uh, heaven, if you will. And Satan took dominion of the earth from Adam. And that is why he is referred to as the prince of the power of the air, uh, the ruler of this world, uh, uh, the kingdom of darkness in this world, and he has the deed, if you will. He's in charge or has been given the authority uh, to, to do what he pleases, I guess, to some degree. And, and that is why he offered the kingdoms of this world to Jesus. Do you remember that? And, and when Jesus was out in the wilderness being tempted and led of the Holy Ghost, Matthew 4 and 8, and, and again the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And the devil said unto Jesus, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now how could Satan make such an offer unless he had some kind of dominion and authority over the kingdoms of this world? He can't just 
Uh, obviously, he is a deceiver and, 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 and a liar. Uh, but to, to make this kind of offer to Jesus Christ, saying, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you bow down and worship me, uh, he's got to have some kind of control to, to do that. Uh, but we know what Jesus said in verse 10, thus saith Jesus unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And so Jesus said, I don't need to fall down and worship you, Satan, because to get the kingdoms of this world, because I've got a plan of my own, and my plan, I'm going to get the kingdoms of this world, and I don't have to bow down to Satan, but I'm going to go down to where he is and, and take the keys to death, hell, and the grave right out of his hands, and there's not going to be anything that he can do about it. That's, that's Jesus' plan for getting the kingdoms of, of this world. Uh, not to uh, fall to Satan's plan. Uh, and so uh, there's obviously Jesus wasn't going to do that, and he rebukes him there because he has his own plan where uh, he just walks and takes, does what he wants. He's God. He can do what he wants. Uh, and, and so uh, the audacity for Satan to even offer uh, that is, is just mind-boggling. But that's who he is. He's, he's a fallen angel. Uh, he's not getting back into heaven, and so he's made his bed. And so... Uh, there he is. Uh, so we hear the seventh trumpet, and all of heaven is seeing what is about to happen. They know that the the kingdom of the the kingdoms of this earth are about to be handed over to Jesus Christ. Uh, and our, our verse fifteen. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voices in heaven saying, "The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever." And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, fell down upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. The time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name. You see, the, all the judgment's coming. Also, rewards are coming to his saints and believers. All of these things are getting ready to happen. That's why they're rejoicing when the seventh trumpet is sounding, because it's, it's getting ready to happen. Uh, small and great, um, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. You remember when uh, God gave Moses the tabernacle plan to build, uh, and, and what it was it? It was, it was modeled and patterned after the things in heaven. And, and so Moses, maybe Moses got a glimpse of it, I don't know, but Moses was given the blueprints to, the, to build these things, and out of nowhere God decides, hey, this is how it's going to be. But what it really was is a pattern of the things in heaven, as what it says. And so uh, after uh, we see here that the, the temple is opened in heaven and the ark of his testament is, is seen up there. And so there's a physical ark in the earth because there's, a, there's an actual ark in heaven. Uh, and a temple in the earth because there's a temple in heaven. The, what Moses did was modeled and patterned after the things in heaven. And so we have a physical representation of, of what it's going to look like in heaven. And, and here in the seventh trumpet, we begin to see the temple open up. And the ark of the testament is, is visible. 
And it goes on to say there are lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail happened uh, when this trumpet sounded. Uh, we don't, we're not really told of, of the fallout or if the lightnings and voices and all these things were up in heaven or if they uh, impacted the earth. It kind of sounds like it might have a great hail. I don't see why would there would be a great hail in heaven, uh, but earthquakes uh, happen in the earth, right? So uh, we don't re- we're not really told of the fallout of, of what happens here, but this happens after the seventh trumpet is sounded. And so there's not really uh, another terrible judgment per se manifested in the earth, but it's actually kind of more of an announcement of, hey, these, the kingdom of heaven is on its way, it's coming to the earth, uh, and the kingdoms of this world are about to become our Lord and Saviors. And so Satan knows that his time is running out. He knows right now his time is running out. But very quickly, I mean, he's, he's been running the show here on earth for the past 6,000 years or so, but with this seventh trumpet sounding, Satan has only about three or so years left before his time is done. And so imagine being in charge for 6,000 years and the seventh trumpet sounds and you know that once that sounds, you got three years left, three and a half years left. Uh, you can imagine uh, if Satan is terrible right now, you can imagine, wait till he's under pressure and knows he only has three and a half years left. If it's bad now, imagine when that pressure is on and the timer is really running out and he knows his time literally is about to end. And so now with the seventh trumpet sounding, we're about halfway through the, the tribulation period. Uh, it, now it's all or nothing. All or nothing for Satan Uh, he's not going to hold anything back, and he's going to do everything that he can to stop Jesus from coming, to try to stop the plan, and try to stop the kingdom of heaven from coming coming to the earth. And so, uh, Revelation 11 ends with the seventh trumpet sounding. And Revelation chapter 12 and 13 is Satan's response to this trumpet sounding. Because uh, he knows his time is running out really fast. And so, Revelation chapter 12 reveals what Satan's strategies are, and what they have been and what they are. The two things that he tries to do to prevent from God's work uh, happening and the kingdom manifested in the earth and, and, and God's will being done. Satan always has strategies and plans to try to do things to prevent that. Uh, and they're usually preemptive strikes. He likes to, to strike first. Uh, I'll, I'll strike at you first before you, you strike at me. Uh, and so um, he, I'll take you out before you take me out. That's how he, he, he thinks. And so his, the first strategy that we see here in Revelation chapter 12 is one that is in the past, one that is, is not yet future but is in the past, that he tried to use when Jesus first came to the earth as uh, a child, as a baby. Revelation 12, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now this is a reference, uh, this is a reference to Israel. You remember when Joseph had the dream, and the sun and the, the moon and the stars would all bow down to him? 
uh, representation of the nation of Israel, and, and it is uh, referred to here. Verse 2, and she being great with, being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. What does that sound like? Uh, Satan fallen, uh, a third of the angels are fallen with him. And, and so uh, the, this woman is Israel is, is get it, give ready to give birth to a child. And we know that child is, is Jesus. And we see here that uh, Satan is is ready, trying to ready to devour the baby. And how did he try to devour the child? Remember when Jesus was born, and then all of a sudden King Herod says, "Hey, all babies that are two years old younger need to be killed." Jesus just happened to be born a male child, and now all male child children two years and younger have to be killed. And so here is uh, Satan trying to devour this child that was born to this woman or born to Israel. Um, and, and so, uh, but that isn't uh, what Satan, it's what he always does. He always tries to do things like that. Didn't Pharaoh all of a sudden do a decree and say, hey, all, all male babies need to be thrown in the Nile? What was happening there? Moses was being born. Now all of a sudden there's a decree that all male child children need to be thrown in, in the river. That's Satan coming against the nation of Israel trying to stop God's plan. You imagine if, if Moses was never born, if Moses was killed under Pharaoh's rule uh, because he was thrown in an aisle, uh, what, how, how much of an impact that would have changed, that would have altered everything. Uh, and so the, Satan has always been after the nation of Israel trying to do these preemptive attacks against uh, against the nation of Israel and, and kill what God is trying to do. Didn't, didn't a decree go forth that all Jews were to be killed, but then all of a sudden Esther walks through the doors, and all of a sudden the nation of Israel is saved, is spared. Uh, uh, time after time, Israel has faced persecution and, and faced annihilation and, and faced extinction, extinction without hope and thinking that there's no way out. But uh, the devil surrounds them and, and tries to uh, use the, the kings of this world to take out the nation of Israel. But God is always one step or two step or many steps ahead of the devil. God always makes a way, doesn't he, when there seems to be no way. And the same goes for you and I. Sometimes we feel like we're surrounded. We think we there's no way, no hope or no way out. But all we got to know is that God is always going to make a way for his people. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. God is going to see his people get out and see them through. He always provides for his people. He made a way for Moses out. He, he made a way for, for Jesus out. He, he made a way for uh, Esther to go in there and deliver, her, deliver the nation of Israel. He made a way for Mary and Joseph to escape to Egypt. God always makes a way, but yet the devil is always there trying to stop the kingdom of God from happening. But God, God knows the end from the beginning. He's always many steps ahead of the devil. And, and so that's why we don't need to fear if the devil shows up in our life, God's already four steps, five steps ahead. I mean, we know he's way ahead. Uh, but uh, nothing to fear when things happen uh, because God is in control. 
Uh, and so we see in verse 5, Revelation, and she, uh, Israel, brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Obviously referring to Jesus being born and, and uh, ascending uh, to his throne in heaven. And, and so Satan couldn't kill baby Jesus, and he couldn't get him to bow and to worship him on that high mountain. And, and he had uh, Jesus crucified on the cross, thinking that's going to fix everything. But until Jesus showed up and snatched the devil's keys to death, hell, and the grave, and then Jesus was caught up to his throne in heaven, and now after the seventh trumpet sounding, Satan goes full force against the nation of Israel because there's only three and a half years left and time is running out. And so he's thinking, if I can wipe out Israel, this is what he's always thought, if I can wipe out Israel, then I can stop Jesus from coming. Then I can stop the kingdom of heaven from coming to this earth and I can still reign here and this can still uh, be my uh, dominion and my, my ruler uh, kingdom here. Uh, but once the kingdom of heaven comes, it, uh, it destroys all of the nations of the earth and, and Jesus sits on his throne and, and rules this world. And so Satan doesn't want the kingdom of heaven coming to the earth because that means he's no longer in charge and will never be. Because once it, it, it arrives here, it's not leaving. Amen. It's going to be forever. He's going to rule forever. Uh, and so uh, Jesus, uh, he can't stop Jesus from coming. Um, and, and so it, uh, Satan is going to be going after Israel in the tribulation period uh, full force. Uh, because if he can stop Israel from seeing Jesus uh, as their Messiah, uh, and cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, then, then he's not going to come. But Israel has to make that confession and, 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 and follow the word of God and, and, uh, uh, be, to receive salvation. And so Satan's idea is if I can just wipe out Israel, there's no one left. No one left to, to cry, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so that's what his plan is all along, but we know God uh, never is going to let that happen. And, and, and so Satan thinks, I'll just wipe the nation out, I'll, I'll have every nation on this earth, I'll gather them all together, and every single nation, all 230, however many there are now, and however many there will be, every single nation will come together and unite together against that little nation of Israel. Uh, and, and so Satan's plan is to wipe them all out. And we see in, Revela in verse 6, Revelation chapter 12, and the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. And so uh, if you calculate those days out, that's three and a half years. And so uh, halfway through the tribulation period, the nation of Israel, or however many of them, they're fleeing, they're leaving, they're leaving uh, the cities, and they're running to uh, a place in the wilderness that God has prepared for her uh, so that she can hide out there for three and a half years until this all comes to an end. Uh, and so this happens in the middle of the tribulation uh, that causes Israel, the woman, to flee and run. And uh, verse 7, and, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. And... Uh, uh, prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. 
And so a, a war takes place, as there always is, but this was a, a pretty big battle here uh, between Michael and his angels and against the dragon or the devil and his angels. And the dragon prevailed not, but it says, neither was there place found anymore in heaven. So up until this point, the Bible describes Satan uh, as being able to roam the earth, go around, um, and even enter into heaven to some degree, uh, being the prince of the power of the air, as, as we see with the story of Job, the, uh, the sons of God gathered together uh, in the morning and, and came before the throne of God, and there Satan was uh, talking with God. Hey, what about your servant? Well, God asked, what about my servant Job? Obviously, they're having a conversation, and, and this has to be in heaven. Uh, and so, to this point, Satan has allowed, is allowed some degree to come into heaven or a courtroom or where I don't know the dimensions of how far it goes, but he's allowed up there. Uh, but something happens after this battle here. It says, the, the dragon prevailed not, and neither was there place found anymore in heaven. What happens here is Satan is now shut out of heaven. No more access. Satan is kicked out of heaven forever. Verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so basically what's happened is the noose is tightening even more for Satan. It's all closing in on around him. He can't roam as free as he once did. His time is running out, and now he is thrown to the earth. He is cast out of the heavens and thrown to the earth. In verse 10, I heard a loud shout saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. And so day and night he would come before the throne of God trying to bring up your, your faults and your failures, trying to bring up your, your past mistakes and trying to bring up your sins and, and accusing you before God. But, but all Jesus would say is, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. All I see is that they are covered by a blood that has been shed, that shed for their sins, and the blood has been applied in their lives. It's innocent blood, and, and innocent blood must be shed for the remissions of sins. And so aren't you thankful for his blood, that we are covered by his blood? And that's why we plead his blood. That's why we plead his blood over everything is because Satan can't do anything against the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the accuser of the brethren is cast down. The devil can't do anything anymore. He is cast down. Uh, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he, he hath but a short time. And so now that heaven is shut off for him, he can't come up there and accuse the people of God anymore. He is kicked out, sent down to the earth, and he knows he has great wrath, because he knows his time is short. And verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Remember, the woman is Israel. 
and the man child is obviously Jesus. And so now that he is cast to the earth with great wrath, his time's running out. What does he do? He goes after Israel, persecutes the woman that brought forth a child. Now, the question here is, why doesn't Satan come after the church? If he only has a limited time in this tribulation period, why is he all about Israel? Why not the church? Well, you and I, we believe that uh, the church is not going to be here, that we're going to be raptured out of here. But to the post-tribulation rapture people, they believe the church is still going to be here because the rapture to them, they believe it's going to happen at the end. And so to them, uh, the church is going to be here for all of this. And so my question is, why doesn't Satan come after the church if the church is still here? And what... uh, What good, if the church is still here, what good would the church do praying for Israel if Israel is about to get slaughtered? You know what I'm saying? Like, not that uh, we're against praying, but the Bible says that Israel is going to be faced some heavy persecution. And so if the church is here on the earth, the prayers against Israel are not going to do any good. I mean, and that's that's not uh, good to think about. Uh, but it, it, it makes sense, at least to me, that the church is not going to be here. That's why Satan is all about Israel in the last days. He's all focused about Israel, and he's coming. When he has three and a half years left and he's kicked out of heaven, what does he do? He heads right for Israel. Verse 14, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness. Remember, that was alluded to uh, in verse 6. She might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time, a times, and a half a time from the face of the serpent. And so massive persecution is coming against Israel. Israel flees to uh, the wilderness where God has established a safe place to hide from uh, the, the Antichrist and the devil. And uh, i got to address that some people believe that these eagle's wings are meaning that it's America here. It means that America uh, is the one who carries Israel into the, into the wilderness. Um, I mean, Israel, they have their own planes. Why, why do they need our planes across the world to bring them in? But um, some people believe that America is going to be here for that, and obviously we may be to some degree, I don't know. But um, therefore, America is, is, doesn't really participate in what's going on doesn't really participate in the one world government. How can you be a part of the one world government but yet help Israel escape? It's not going to add up. The other nations are not going to like you. Uh, And so America is not going to face any kind of judgment or wrath because we're here to help Israel escape to the wilderness. That's our only purpose, I guess. Uh, uh, Because we need to be around to transport Israel out and to drop them in the wilderness. That's, That's what many people believe. Uh, And so one of the issues that I have with that is that when Israel fled Egypt 3,500 years ago, the Bible says in Exodus 19 and 3, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thou shalt say unto the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you out unto myself. So 3,500 years ago, Israel was brought out on eagle's wings out of Egypt. God did that by himself as far as I can tell. 
but the second time that Israel is going out on eagle's wings must mean America, does it? Because uh, we have our, our flag is, we have an eagle as our bird. Uh, and so if uh, my thoughts are, if God did it the first time all by himself, I don't think he needs to keep America around here just for this little part in, in the end times. I think God can do it all by himself, just like he carried the millions out of Egypt all by himself. Uh, I believe he's going to do it again to the place that he's prepared for Israel in the wilderness. Uh, and so Israel, or, or America is not a, a righteous nation. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll be the first to confess that. And, and that we get to escape God's wrath somehow because of our airplanes are sitting there ready to take Israel into the wilderness. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's, that's a huge stretch in my opinion. But people will use those eagle's wings to say that that's why America survives whatever, whatever's coming. But I believe that America really is the key to one world government. We're the ones holding it back. As soon as America says, hey, let's form a one world government, all the, all, everyone's in. They're all waiting for us to get into it. And obviously, uh, America cannot exist as it is and there be a one world government because people will just come to America and say, hey, I don't got to be a part of the one world government. I'll go to America where there's freedom. And so in order for there to be a one-world government, I think that America has to be in it. Uh, and if all nations of the earth are going to come against Israel, all nations to me sounds like America as well. Uh, and so it's a sad day uh, that America turns its back on Israel, and actually we are already seeing that happening now. Uh, we're, funding, uh, we're funding Hamas and the terrorists. We're, fun we're funding the Palestinians right now and not funding Israel. In this little battle that's going on there, uh, that's not a good thing for America. Uh, so uh, we are headed in that direction of the one world government. Revelation twelve fifteen, and the serpent cast out his mouth, out of his mouth, uh, water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And so uh, the woman Israel is fleeing to uh, the wilderness. And the devil, the Antichrist, whatever, cast a flood out of a flood water out of his mouth, most likely meaning he sends a large army after Israel. Israel's running, and so this large army is running after Israel to capture her, to prevent her from hiding. Um, and so, what do we see happen? Verse sixteen: The earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And so. I'm not sure how big this army is uh, that is going to be chasing after Israel if it is indeed an army. But within a few seconds, we're told that the ground just opens up and swallows up this entire army that's chasing after Israel. And so once again, Satan's plans keeps failing and failing and failing. And, and the, whatever he tries to do against the nation of Israel never works out. Why? Because God is in control. God is greater than, than Satan. And so God's will is going to be done. Satan is going to keep on trying to do whatever he can, but he never uh, succeeds. His, his plans always fail. And he just gets angrier and angrier. Verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so now he's really, uh, since that he couldn't stop them from going to the wilderness, uh, now he's going to focus attention on the remnant, whatever that is. Obviously people 
born-again believers uh, that believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah and are holding to the word of God, and so he's coming after them, uh, it seems. And he's really on the hunt to uh, destroy the nation of Israel. Musicians, you would come. Revelation 13, moving on to what else? Uh, Satan's response to the seventh trumpet and his time running out. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Upon his horns were ten crowns. Upon his heads was the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was un, unto like a leopard. His, like, his feet were as of the feet of a bear. And his mouth were the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his, his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. Now it is quite possible, uh, and I think it is quite probable, that the Antichrist uh, is killed here or, because it says a deadly wound. Uh, wounds that are deadly probably means you're, you die. Uh, a deadly wound was healed, meaning that he comes back to life to, some, to, to whatever it means. Verse 4, and they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Now, who can make war with this guy who was killed and brought back to life? What are we going to do, kill him again? I mean, who? how does that happen? He, he's already been killed and has come back to life, and, and, and people are going to worship him. But he's going to appear like a god. He'll claim to be God, uh, raised from the dead from a deadly wound. Uh, and so you can imagine, you can see how the world is going to just fall at the feet of this, the Antichrist. In verse 5, there was given unto him a mouth speaking great, <clears throat> great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. The same period that Israel flees to the wilderness. He has great authority and power now. And ver verse 6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. To blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And so what's going on here is what happens in the middle of the tribulation period. The abomination, uh, desolation that we see in Daniel chapter 9 verse 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, the Antichrist. And in the middle of that week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease and for the overspreading of the abominations he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And so here, right here in the middle, he's given this great power and power and, and mouth to blaspheme. And so he goes into the temple, the Antichrist does, and he declares himself to be God. It, it would seem to be that uh, after, he, if he was killed and he was resurrected from the dead uh, by uh, the dragon uh, and the beast, it would seem like that would be a good time to walk into the temple and say, hey, I'm God. Uh, what else, what other event would you need to do that? And, and so uh, we know the Jews aren't sticking around for any of this blasphemy. They're beginning to see that they were probably fooled by this Antichrist. And as we are told, that severe persecution uh, is coming to the nation of Israel because the great wrath of Satan, he knows, has only got a few, uh, a few short while left. Verse 7, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book 
of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man hath an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So it's going to be a hard time for those that are here on the earth, uh, especially the nation of Israel, because the great wrath of Satan is unleashed, and he's given great authority and power to do so. God grants him this uh, power and authority to do it, and, and so therefore it must, it's got to happen. Uh, if you stand with me tonight, verse 11, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He has two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to, to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And here is wisdom, that him that hath understanding count the number of this beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. And so the false prophet teams up with the Antichrist in the last days. They do great miracles. They work together as a team. False prophet pulls down fire out of heaven. He's given power, uh, gives power to the, the Antichrist to, to heal him from that deadly wound, to raise him up. Uh, and, and they work as a team. Uh, to deceive all nations and and to speak uh, and to declare that he is God. I mean, what better to have a witness? Uh, as the Antichrist can stand up and say, I am God. Uh, but then the false prophet comes and works with them. And, you know, they can say, if he is God, then I can pull down fire out of heaven. And it happens. And then people, what are people going to do? They haven't seen anything like that before. And so they're going to worship the beast. They're going to fall down and worship him. And uh, it's, uh, they, they're going to take the mark. Uh, and so people are willing to take the mark of the beast because of what they see and what they experience. And I think that goes back to that deadly wound that was the Antichrist experience and was raised up. So why, why else would anybody worship this person unless these great miracles Make him look like God and make him look like uh, a, a man with such power that cannot be touched and cannot be killed. Uh, and, and so they say, who's, who'll be able to stand against him? Who's gonna, who'll be able to make war against this man? We're going to follow him. We're going to serve him. We're going to uh, give our lives and pledge our lives to him because who can stand against him? Well, I'll tell you who can stand against him. Jesus Christ is coming. 
only a few chapters away, our Lord and Savior is coming to this earth, coming on a, ride, a white horse called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth he both judge and make war. And Revelation says his flame, his eyes are as flame as a fire, and on his head were many crowns, and a name was written, and no man knew save himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Hallelujah. And the armies which are in heaven followed after him upon white horses as well, clothed in fine linen, and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite all nations. I'll tell you who's going to stand against that Antichrist, Jesus Christ, because out of his mouth he's going to smite all nations. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. He'll tread the winepress of his fierceness with wrath and a mighty God. And he on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who's coming to the earth, and we're going to be coming with him, riding upon horses as well. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. And that all starts with the rapture of the church, with him calling his bride home. And we know that is soon and very soon. That's why we worship him. That's why we gather together. That's why we pray to him. That's why we seek him. Why? Because his return is very nigh. Well, if you believe that with me, why don't we worship the Lord together? Why don't we give praise to him? Why don't we exalt his name tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. We know that you are coming, God. And we're going to worship you right now, Lord, as we're worshiping you in heaven. Lord, we love you Blessed tonight. be your name, King Jesus. Glory, Hallelujah, Lord. King of glory. King of kings, Lord of lords, there is no one that can stand against you. I just want to be with you. We want to be with you, Jesus. We seek your face, God. Hallelujah, there's coming a day soon and very soon. And we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready for your coming, God. Hallelujah. I just want to be with you. Very soon, I just want to be with you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, the world will bow down and say, You are God. Every knee is gonna bow.
Lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. You deserve all the praise and glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is none like you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, the devil is going to say what he wants and does what he wants. But we don't need to listen to what he says because we know who has the final say. He'll do whatever he wants, but guess who's coming in the end to fix everything and do whatever he wants? God is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. He has the final say, and he will set up his kingdom in this earth. Amen. And so we need to listen to what Jesus says. He's the author and finisher of our faith, right? He has the final say, and his, his will will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Amen. It's coming soon, folks. It's coming soon. we got to be ready. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.